Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. It's your host, Emily Aries. Welcome to Bossed Up the Podcast, episode 20. And today we are tackling a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. And sadly, honestly, it's one of the most popular things that I talk about, and that is toxic workplaces. Now, I wish toxic workplaces and toxic people, for that matter, were less of a relatable conversation, but they aren't. And I know this for a fact because I kept a weekly Forbes leadership column with my fellow badass women writers at the Women at Forbes division. Shout out to all those rockin' women whose columns you must read. And I took a little break from writing for Forbes while I finished the Bossed Up book. But of the dozens of columns that I have written, most of them get between, I don't know, maybe couple thousand reads or views to maybe like 10,000 or 15,000 folks reading them on average. And then one day I decided to write a couple of columns on toxic workplaces. The first I wrote was called five signs you're in a toxic workplace. And the second was five steps to take now if you're in a toxic workplace. And you'll hear me mention this column in the interview portion of today's episode. And I was just looking back at them and realized they have both each been read more than 115,000 times. So clearly, this is a topic that is near and dear to people's hearts. Because if you're in a toxic workplace, there is nothing more that you want to do than figure out how to get out of it. That is what we're going to tackle on today's conversation, spurred on by an oh, so relatable career conundrum that came in from one of our dear listeners. You'll hear her question right after this quick break. Today's episode is brought to you by General Assembly's NYC Campus. I'm all about helping women navigate their career like a boss. And one of our community members, Nina, did just that with the help of General Assembly. After taking a web development course, Nina transitioned from paralegal to full-time developer. Over the past six months, almost 10,000 individuals have taken their first step toward a new career at GA New York. Are you ready to start learning? Head to ga.co slash classes and get 30% off your first class with code GABOSS. And we're back, and I want to throw it right away to our listener-submitted career conundrum. Take a listen. Hey, Emily, this is Cara from Canada. I have a question about toxic workplaces. How do you deal with them? How do you stop them from destroying your mental health? And ultimately, how do you exit in a way that keeps your dignity and keeps your sanity? Kara, thank you so much for asking this important question. 
And here with me today is the only person I would have on to talk this through. My dear friend and a licensed psychotherapist who I trust more than anyone, Lena Aberdeen Durhali. Now, Lena is an Imago certified therapist based in Washington, D.C., who specializes in working with individuals and couples in their 20s and 30s. She runs a support group for professional women facing what she calls the quarter life crisis plus 10, because some of us face our quarter life crises a little later on in life. And she brings an area of expertise when it comes to anxiety, self-esteem, confidence, and assertiveness issues. So it comes as no surprise that when I was a very young, scrappy entrepreneur back in 2013 and was just putting together the pieces of our very first ever Bossed Up Boot Camp, Lena is the therapist who answered my call when I said, would you like to join us as our licensed therapist talking about love and relationships at Bossed Up Boot Camp? She said yes then, and she's been saying yes ever since. And she's since joined me on more Bossed Up Bootcamps than anyone else I know all over the country. Lena, thank you for joining me here for today's conversation. Thank you, Emily. I'm so excited to be here with you. Me too. So we were actually just talking about this very topic. Yes. Two days ago in New York City, where you joined me for our Bossed Up Bootcamp weekend, as you have many times since 2013. You're one of our OG trainers. I know. I wouldn't miss it for the world. It's awesome to have you there talking about love and relationships from your perspective as a therapist. Right. And you always weave in this kind of component of mental health with all of our relationships, including those ones at work. Oh, yeah. And I actually think this is one of the most common things I see in my practice is this pervasive toxic culture in the workplace. So this topic is really important for me to address because it is so common. So Cara, just so you know, you are not alone here. So true. Couldn't have said it better myself. So why do you think this is such a common issue in your practice in the world writ large? Well, I think a lot of people come to me for this issue. And I think, again, for the world at large, I think we have a culture of toxic workplace. I mean, whether it's nonprofit, actually, I see that so commonly, which people are kind of surprised about. And just because something's a nonprofit or an NGO or the mission is that they're doing good, it doesn't mean that the people have emotionally evolved or that there's (laughs) higher ups that are great people. So it doesn't matter where you, of course, you see this prevalent in the corporate world, but you also see it everywhere else. And so I think there's something going on about just toxic culture and workplace that I want to keep sort of mentioning because a lot of the time my advice later on, we'll come back to this, but I don't know how you change if it's a toxic culture versus a toxic person that Mm. you're dealing with. Interesting. So let's dive right into that. What is a toxic person. How would you think of the most common toxic people that you hear about? Yep. So I would say a toxic person is if you're at work and the only problem you have at work is with that person. Sometimes it can be people, which again can be more indicative of a toxic culture. But I think if there's one particular person, let's say it's a colleague, I think that's a lot easier to deal with than a toxic boss, for example. And then when you have the toxic boss, that is a lot harder to navigate as well. A lot of the times people go to HR. Right. And that is what some people do. And they don't get anything from that experience, which is also, again, problematic because then you're looking at 
toxic culture. Yeah. If the HR can't help you, then who can? So true. We actually had an episode featuring my friend Janelle Coleman, a colleague of mine who we teamed up to start Bossed Up's Evolve program. She's a culture change expert, and she talks a lot about how things can go well sometimes when you go to HR, how they should go well. Yes, and it does happen. I'm yeah. not saying it never does. <laughs> but unfortunately, not <laughs> but all not the time. But not all the time, yeah. So one of the things I know you and I have talked about a lot off air is how our society seems to enjoy promoting narcissists. Mm, my favorite hot <laughs> topic word. It's almost yeah. like narcissism and leadership get very often confused. Yes. So we find a lot of narcissist bosses out there. Yes. What are some of the telltale signs? Well, I mean, the one that I see like a lot of complaints about is that they're very manipulative. And so that means they'll tell you something. You know, I, I can think of a situation that happened recently and a session, maybe that that person, the boss said that that person could confide in them about something. They turned around and told the person that, you know, that they were had issues with. So they completely violated the trust. Yes. And I see that a lot is that they'll violate trust a lot and that they cross boundaries a lot. You know, unfortunately, I do see kind of me too situations as well, where a a toxic boss and we, we were talking sometimes that boss can be female sometimes, yeah. but more often, of course, it's male and, you know, may make certain gestures or comments or things like that. But narcissists generally don't have any empathy. They can fake it for sure, but they really will steamroll you and they'll manipulate and they will lie and they don't really care about you. And you know that. And they, they just they're in it for themselves. Mm. And it's sometimes pretty transparent. <laughs> yeah. And then you have the extreme. So there's, I think also we should make a distinction between narcissists and then clinical narcissistic personality disorder. Ooh. I don't diagnose people I've never treated, but there are some speculations about people, certain people, certain people out there that may have that disorder. But the main feature of say narcissistic personality disorder is a grandiose sense of self. And so that they think they're this really special, powerful person. Oftentimes, they may be, but they think that they are, you know, they almost have magic powers and that everybody should have deference to them and that nobody else matters and that the ego is really there. When they can't control their ego mm. and that's all they talk about, that's more of a clinical personality disorder. But you can have bosses who are more in the sociopathic spectrum, again, and narcissists, which again is qualified by their lack of empathy. So. And this is why we have a therapist on the podcast today, y'all. <laughs> because <laughs> Analyze I, everybody. Yeah, well, dealing with a toxic workplace or toxic people at work. And I think this really important question that Kara asks towards the end of her voicemail is, you know, how the hell do I maintain my sanity during this? That really warrants a trained therapist, don't you think? Yes, I think so. And that's a really difficult thing to do. So I first want to validate that if you are not maintaining your sanity in that situation, that is perfectly normal and makes sense. Um, I think the question often becomes is, how long can you tolerate not mm -hmm. maintaining your sanity? And then I think that's then the case, which is part of the last question is, how do you extricate yourself? Which mm. I think we should spend some time on that. I'm reminded of this past weekend at boot camp. We had a woman very bravely share her experience at a toxic workplace that left her feeling like a shell of her former self. Yeah, I think that was in my module. It right? was. Yeah, yeah. And her husband pointed out how concerned he was for her mental health. Yes. 
And only then was she really able to see how incredibly destructive being in a toxic workplace can be. Yes, yes. It's so destructive. And I'm so glad you brought that up. We don't know the details of her story per se, but I would classify that as a situation of emotional abuse, the way that she was, had been affected and that she actually had a real trauma from that. And I also see a lot of clients in my practice that come to me from a toxic workplace that have legitimate trauma, not maybe PTSD, but they have symptoms that kind of mimic what a PTSD Mm. would be. And I have clients and I've certainly had the experience and I'm sure you have too, of that dread of going to work and like that extreme dread and how Mm. you become a shell of yourself. And sometimes I've had clients where it takes years, yeah, even after leaving that toxic workplace to get their self-esteem back because they've just lost so much of their, who they are there. So true. And that's why it's so important to remember that Car, you and anyone else who identifies with this situation, you're worth putting in time, energy, effort, and even financial resources to maintaining your mental health. Because even though you're not necessarily going through a divorce or you're not necessarily going through a identity crisis per se, having trauma or experiencing abuse or even just burning out at work absolutely warrants focusing on your mental health. So how can Kara start to do that now? Assuming we don't know everything about her story, but assuming she's not going to leave right away. Yeah. And I think that's what we've got to assume with most people again, is that it's a real question of privilege, right? Is that not everybody can just say, hey, my workplace sucks. Like I'm going to leave right now. A lot of people have to pay the bills. And also, you know, what I get from a lot of my clients and friends and everything is the fear that how is this going to look on my resume? So we really need to address that as well. People have that fear. And I, you know, even recruiters have that fear because they're the recruiters will say, yeah, I mean, that's what we look at sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so people have this real fear around staying someplace not long enough. Yeah. Can I address that for a second? Because first of all, there's no magic number. No. Some people are like, as long as I just make it past that year mark, I can breathe again. It's like, if you know you're in a total storm of a situation a month in, right? cut your losses, babe. Yeah. And honestly, I've never (laughs) seen it matter. And I've seen tons of clients go through workplace transition and maybe they leave a job after six months and they get an even better job right away after that. So I've never seen that number matter like anecdotally in my practice and with my friends. I think it matters who's doing the hiring, what their philosophy is. I would rather put a period of three to six months blank on my resume than here I was as a blip on the radar at some office that was terrible. And then now I have to construct a narrative to explain that to someone else without seeming like a bad mouthing former employee. Right. And sometimes, you know, depending on how you want to control the story. Yeah. Sometimes leaving sooner is better and yes. just ignoring the fact that you were there. Yeah. And I would also <laughs> give the advice, don't let fear about that hold you back. True. And I, th- I really want to stress that is that if that's your predominant reason for not leaving, kind of try to rethink that. I mean, obviously there is some validity to that. We're not asking you to make impulsive decisions, but again, ultimately, I don't think that that your sanity is way more important than anything else. And no workplace is worth that kind of trauma and stress if that situation is that bad for you. Mm -hmm. But let's just say that you do have to stay there for an indefinite period of time. How do you deal 
with that. Yeah. So I think one of the things I love to do cognitive reframing in my practice, which is let's change the way we think about this, right? And one of the things I like to tell all my clients is nothing is forever. The only guarantee is death. Sorry to be morbid. <laughs> that but, can be a very liberating Yes, but it is like you are not going to be at this place forever. And so let's think about like this is just a temporary blip in the radar, like one little raindrop in the ocean. We're going to look at it like that. This isn't going to matter. Most likely you look back in five years this really is probably not going to matter. But also make sure that you have that end goal in sight because I think it's really important that people have a light at the end of the tunnel and we need hope. Yes. And we need to see that we're going somewhere. Now, sometimes that light at the end of the tunnel is very overwhelming because we don't know how we're going to get there. So the other thing I recommend is baby steps because anxiety is all about being overwhelmed and the unknown of the future. And so if we can break that down into little steps that help us like work towards our goal, it's less overwhelming. And so again, I'll work with clients to say, okay, let's, let's say what the end goal is going to be. And let's just say the end goal is getting a new job. What are the tiny steps we can take to get there. And so one of the things we might have is like, okay, let's work on cleaning up your resume. And then, you know, we'll kind of build from there or let's go on an informational interview. Let reach out to two people this week and have coffee with them. And so I'm actually doing a lot of that now in my practice. So. I'm just like Very cracking fresh. up here yeah. because this is why you're a bossed up trainer too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because this is exactly what boot camp like sets right. people I'm up sure. to do yeah, with the life tracker. So many parallels. I yeah. I mean, it. cause it all makes sense. It right. Yeah. And so that's really what we do. And then the thing is, too, is when people feel out of control and hopeless and helpless, the thing we do is where are the areas that you have control? And so people really do feel more empowered when they are actually feel like they're doing something to get out of it. Yes. So those are like the two main things I would say. And I would also say if you know that you're not going to be there, I also do say check out a little bit, which means you yes. still do your job. But a lot of people are killing themselves. They're going 110 percent for what? They're not making enough, that's for sure. And so I'll say, like, do what you got to do to stay employed and like meet those standards, but don't kill yourself for people who obviously aren't appreciating your work. Because I see that a lot too, is that the work is just not appreciated. Yeah, there's something really perfectionistic about that innate inclination to only go 110% or not at all. And that can really get us in a bind in that I see a lot of women burn out having not used any of their vacation days, you oh, yeah. know, quit mm-hmm. a job that, that was toxic, that was overwhelming. And then come to find out, you know, they never took a break. They put in a ton of hours. They made that their norm and it set the expectation for how they would always be because right. they condition their coworkers on what to expect from them. Right. And I'm not b- trying to victim blame here at all. I'm just trying to remind us that we also have some control over claiming our rights to work-life balance. Nobody's going to hand that to you. You know, even if your rights are there on paper or in the legal system, you've got to claim them. Yeah. And then some toxic culture workplaces, there is that expectation. They put a lot of pressure on you to do that. So I don't want to discredit that either. Again, there's what are they really going to do, though, if you don't do that, you know? So again, we could go to some cognitive behavioral work here. What's the worst that could happen? That's a question we ask in cognitive behavioral therapy. Sometimes the worst case scenario isn't as bad as you think it's going to be. So sometimes I'll ask that question to my clients. Oh, worst case scenario is I get fired. Okay, what's the likelihood of that happening? Usually the answer is not very likely. But let's just say that that's the worst case. Well, 
They're like, well, that actually wouldn't be so bad because then I wouldn't be there anymore. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, there's financial considerations to think yeah. about. Severance pay and yeah. unemployment tends to come with being fired. Just saying. Yeah. Oh, and that, that happens too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's such a good question to ask. And you remind me of how just a couple months ago, we actually tackled a similar question of, you know, how to bounce back from a toxic work culture. But from a legal perspective, we had one of our other trainers, Paula Brantner, host a webinar on this, which is now available for anyone who wants to see it on our YouTube channel. And she talked all about not just setting your own boundaries, but really answering that question, what's the worst that could happen from a legal perspective? Yeah. So if you want to get that, you can check that out as well. So one of the other things Kara doesn't really tell us in this voicemail, but I think is worth exploring is... If she is staying for a little while and she has to deal with a singular toxic person at work, maybe it is her boss, how do you recommend she go about repairing that relationship or just dealing with that kind of a person in the office? Yes, that's a great question. I get this a lot. And one of the things, especially if the person is, let's say, has on the you know spectrum of narcissism, has some traits and you know that whatever you do is not going to get through to them. And a lot of the times you've tried. A lot of the times with toxic people, you've tried every angle already and it doesn't work, right? You can't get them to change. And we know the cliched saying, the only person you can change is yourself. Mm. And so I think that's important, though, to take in, is that sometimes there are situations that are repairable and you can sit down and have a mature conversation with these people about what can be done differently I think women have great gut instincts and I think you know who those people are and you know who those people aren't. So let's say you're dealing with the people that you can't have those kind of conversations with. My number one advice is do not ever be reactive. A lot of these people want reactions. The more you give them, the more they will push back. So it's always kind of good to be a little bit cool and removed, a little bit kill them with kindness, but non-reactive. Again, you are just doing your job until you get out. Don't rock the boat. Don't give yourself unnecessary drama. Just kind of do what you have to do to survive until you get out. Interesting. This sounds so much like dealing with a schoolyard bully. Yeah, it is very much the same <laughs> thing. It's just that a lot of these people want reactions from yeah. you. And they some of the more crueler ones will probably actually enjoy getting those reactions. And I hate to say it, those people do exist. And it's not the norm necessarily. But again... You also want to be the one is like, how do I leave? I think that was part of her question, right? How do I yeah. leave sort of with a with good graces? And the, the best thing you can do is to be the emotionally mature one. Again, non-reactive, kind to everyone. That doesn't mean you go bend over backwards. So right. again, we have to differentiate between being nice to people and respectful does not mean you bend over backwards for them and work 110% and kill yourself to get nothing back in return. Right. But it means you're like, hey, how are you? Okay. Good to see you. Glad you had a great weekend. Keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's about taking care of your needs, putting yes. your needs first, getting the basics done at work and not feeling bad about not mm -hmm. giving 110%. Yeah. And remember, it's usually not about you. Almost always the time you're dealing with a toxic person, it's about their own stuff. Mm. But it, when you're dealing with a toxic person, everybody goes through this like, am I the crazy one here? Especially because other people seem to validate their leadership. That's a thing about mm. having the kind of, what did you call it? 
narcissistic personality disorder. Yes. Like having someone with narcissistic personality disorder in leadership typically comes with these like drones of people who support that person. Often because they're afraid of them, actually. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I've I've always been bewildered by Mm -hmm. that sort of trend in workplaces when there is someone who's pretty cuckoo leading the charge. There's always a battalion of people reinforcing them, which forces some people like Kara and like lots of women we've worked with over the years to say, oh, I need to internalize the feedback I'm getting from this narcissist or this toxic person as legitimate feedback on how I should change. Yes. And that's how narcissists gain and keep power. I hate to keep using that word, but or just like, let's just go for toxic people. Yeah. That's how they gain and keep power. And, you know, I always love Eleanor Roosevelt's quote, the only person who can make you feel inferior is yourself. Mm -hmm. So the only power that we, we, you know, people have is what we give them. And sometimes those people do wield a lot of power over us. Don't get me wrong. Like, look what happened with Harvey Weinstein, for example, and why that went on so long. Yeah. That's something that's very serious. But we've also seen like the power now of how kind of exciting it was that women were able to sort of take him down. Yeah. Now and and that his, you know, I think power crumbles eventually. But I also want to validate how hard it is when you're going up against someone who's extremely powerful and scary. Yeah. I mean, he was hiring people to stalk some of these women. Yeah, he had um, no shame yeah. in the lengths he went yeah. to really sabotage. It's an extreme case, but... Yeah, well, it's a good example because I also think power can be created in community. That's part of the philosophy of Bossed Up, of course. But that idea that people like Carr can suffer in silence and alone drives me nuts. Because I know. this is a community where we can collaborate with one another bounce ideas off one another. How do you find folks who are trying to maintain their sanity in a toxic workplace can benefit from community? Oh, that's the best thing. I mean, all the studies show like we're just communal creatures, human beings, and we need community and we need support. And again, that's thank you for bringing that up. I mean, what do you do outside of work, I think is a really great point. And I always love that um, one of my cousins, she likes her job and, you know, she went, she's great. She did an MBA at Georgetown. But she said, you know, I work, I like my job. I just, it's something that you do and you enjoy it, but it's not her life. Right. And that she works and then to spend her time enjoying Mm. what she loves outside of work, which is food and travel and being with her children and all of these things now. And so I think it's really important also to look at our life outside of work. I know a lot of the women you and I see, yeah. maybe don't have much of a life outside of work. At and least that's not before th- they come. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And they're working all the time. Yeah. And so again, in my module, sometimes they'll raise their hand and say, well, the five people I spend the most time with are my coworkers. Right. And, and so that's fine too. But who who is your support system outside of work? And maybe it is a colleague, mm. but just having those people to tell you, hey, you are not the crazy one. And just to keep you supported and and to validate your feelings and it it makes such a big difference. Yeah. And really being deliberate about who those people are. You're referencing this great quote from Jim Rohn that we put on at boot camp that says, you are an average of the five people you spend the most time with. So you can imagine how troubling that can be if you look around your office and you're like, are these the people I spend the most time with? And how can we be deliberate about bringing in positive people into our life or people who will see us for who we really are and love us highs and lows. Don't be afraid to reach out to people when you've had a bad day and just make sure that you have like strong support to get you through it because it's, as Emily said, community is really important just in general as a skill. I mean, 
they say that the people that live the longest and yeah. the happiest have the strongest social networks. Yeah. And it can be very small. You can have one or two, but as long as they're high quality, that's going to benefit your life just in general. And your health. And your health. Your mental health, everything, your physical health, everything. it's good. Yeah. yeah. Good thing we have power pals, yes. <laughs> power podcast pals. <laughs> so last question, let's talk about how she extracts herself from this kind of a situation, because that is a big Big question. Right. And leaving kind of with a good impression and not rocking the boat. And, you know, sometimes I do want to say that is unavoidable. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I had one of my first jobs. I was working at a very, very toxic workplace, underpaid, wasn't allowed bathroom breaks unless I asked. Yeah, crazy. And I was only 25. So, you know, it wasn't one of my first jobs. And this is how I transitioned into becoming a therapist because on Saturdays, what I would do, and this sounds really weird, it would bring me so much joy as I would volunteer in pediatric oncology at Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. And so that sort of became my calling. And I transitioned that into a job. Now, when I finally got a job at Sloan Kettering, the deal was the orientation was starting three days later. So I couldn't give any notice. So, you know, I went into that job on Friday and I said, I'm not coming back. This is my last day. And the boss he called me from another office and told me that I had really bad karma. And I just remember thinking, laughing to myself, if going to work with people who have cancer is bad karma, yeah, then, you know, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, right. or just doing something for myself. Like this you, wasn't my life purpose. I was an admin. Mm, were you afraid of like not giving notice and what that was going to mean for you or? No, because I think for me, again, I was transitioning, going into a totally different field, but I wasn't mm. scared of these people either. Again, like what, what are they going to do? I was an admin here for like six months. You know, right. this isn't going to define me for the rest of my life. Right. But I do also know, that I did leave there kind of with one person, at least on a bad note. So, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, but I was not going to give up what I thought at the time was my dream job to give a two weeks notice. Hell no. I remember thinking I have to put my next boss's priorities over my current boss Mm -hmm. at some point. Yeah. And leaving for a job that you love or for something you're excited about or, or just to start your job search sometimes means prioritizing the values for your next job over your current job. And yes. that has to happen sometimes. Yeah. And you have to be happy and everybody knows in business it's not personal. Right. It really isn't. Is that Well, you know what's funny is that a lot of women I've talked to lately, there's a bit of an ego trip that we put ourselves on and say, I don't know how they're going to replace me. I need to give them like two months notice. They'll figure it out. And I'm like, babe, you're amazing, but they will replace you and and it won't take them two months. So for goodness sake, don't bank on that. And most places are used to this. And most places from what I hear, you know, don't fill positions for a long time and they manage. And so it's nice that we care so much about other people and we're worried about that. And again, as women, we worry too much and we need to be thinking more about ourselves. And this is, again, it's our career. It's not our family. You know, we're not really screwing anybody over. We're doing what's best for us and anybody else would do the same. It's tough though, because if you've been working at a place for a while, you've been putting in your time, let's say it's all toxic because everyone's a martyr in a lot of the nonprofits I've worked for. This is what it's like. You know how stressed out your boss is and your boss's boss. And oh, we didn't meet our fundraising goal. And oh, I can't leave them because I'm abandoning ship. And I'm like, A, you're going to resent them more if you stay just because you feel like otherwise you're abandoning. So don't do that as a favor because that's not going to work out. But B, they'll figure it out. Yeah, they will. Worst things have happened in life and we'll, we'll all figure it out. But again, just to say that 
those situations can unavoidably happen. Again, say you're presented with your dream job and you can't give a two weeks notice and you have a crazy boss who you know will not understand that. Like sometimes you just have to know that rip the bandaid off. It's yeah. short-term pain for long-term gain. But if you do have the luxury, right, is again, I think just going back to the point of just doing your job, you know, well as you can and trying to keep in good graces with everybody and, you know, not being reactive and mm. just, you know, making sure that, you know, your end goal is if it's coming out with a great recommendation, then just do what you got to do until you get out. And, and sometimes you can set up someone else, not yeah. your boss, to be the recommendation. A yes. colleague, a yeah. peer, right. someone who's not a toxic yeah. person in that situation. That's always a good relationship to think about cultivating once you think about leaving. That's a good idea. Yeah. And yeah. again, just again, you know, sometimes it is unavoidable that sometimes there is a person that you can't reason with and you're going to leave maybe not on the best note. But again, that's the worst case scenario. Right. right. And so um, most of the time it's not going to be that. But at the end of the day, you're not going to remember that in five years. Yeah. You're going to be at your brand new, amazing job. Exactly. <laughs> and you're going to be like, I'm so glad I left that place when I did. Yeah. And do what's best for future you. Yes. That's the person you want to keep in mind. Yes. What do I need to do today for future me? Because even as tough as it is to come home from a toxic workplace and resist the temptation to have a beer, a banana nut muffin, and put on Netflix and forget your life for a little while, even though that might feel really good if you're in a crappy, toxic job, you coming home and saying, before I have that beer, I'm going to polish up my resume for me, for future me, right. because I need to get the hell out of here. It's exhausting. It's hard. But you're not going to feel better after that Netflix binge. And you will feel better after that resume rewrite. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It'll hurt while you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll feel so good when you've done it and you'll feel accomplished and you'll feel like you're taking the steps to get out of a situation that's bringing you a lot of distress. Totally. Lena, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I had so much fun. I feel like we could obviously talk for forever, yeah. but that's why you have your own awesome podcast. So if folks want to hear more straight up advice from a therapeutic perspective, obviously you should be in Lena's office, but for folks like Kara who aren't here in DC, you can listen to sessions with Bob and Lena which is Lena's podcast. Tell us a little bit about the podcast. It's a podcast with uh, my male therapist colleague and friend. So you're getting the male female perspective on all kinds of different topics that are related to your mental health and wellness from, you know, the most salacious episode behind closed doors, the truth about marriage and long-term relationships Ooh. to everything about collective subconscious anxiety in today's world when we're bombarded with a crazy news cycle to your inner critic, all kinds of stuff. I told you all that Lena was the bomb and now I'm sure you believe me. If you want to follow up with Lena or if you're facing any of these issues like symptoms related to PTSD due to workplace trauma, any kind of trauma, anxiety, self-esteem, confidence, assertiveness issues, you name it, hit her up at therapywithlena.com. We've dropped that link in the show notes for you too. And now it's time to hear from you and your Boss Moves Moment of the Week. Hey, Emily. My name is Nezrin Amavile, and I'm calling from Ridgefield, New Jersey. I just heard an unclear career path on Boss Up, and I truly want to thank you. My greatest boss move was I was working in education for about eight years. I even received my master's in school counseling, 
And I kind of just left and started a travel blog. I still can't believe I did it. Not that I'm doubting it, but I am starting to apply to corporate jobs again and education jobs just because my career as a travel blogger, it's there. It's just the money's not there right now. So it becomes a little difficult. But at the end of the day, after hearing this podcast, you truly helped open my eyes to whether or not our passions should be our careers. And it's just something that I struggled with and I continue to struggle with. But after listening to your podcast, I do have more of a clear vision. And it's okay if I become a school counselor and do my travel blogging at the same time. Nezrin, thank you. I am so appreciative of you listening to the Bossed Up podcast. It sounds like Erica Williams, Simon, and I made quite the impact in episode eight. So check it out if you've missed it. And Nezrin, I totally get it. There is nothing wrong with navigating career transition slowly, finding a way to fund your side hustle until it funds you. And so I wish you the best of luck on this journey. I commend your courage for taking the first big leap. And once again, I appreciate you listening and calling in. Let's celebrate your successes. Let's celebrate your bravery and your courage and keep in touch, please, because we want to keep up with you. And for anyone else who's navigating a career conundrum or who's got a boss moves moment to share, give me a ring right now and leave your voicemail on the Bossed Up hotline at 910-668-BOSS or 2377. And if you want to hang with me and get bossing up IRL along with a community of courage that you cannot find elsewhere, consider joining me for Bossed Up Bootcamp, our flagship program for women who are navigating career transition. It's coming up real soon in Chicago, June 16 and 17. Find out more and register now before we sell out at bossedup.org slash bootcamp. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing this podcast with those you know could use it. And finally, thanks to each and every one of you who rated and reviewed us on iTunes. It makes a huge difference. And if you haven't already, just a few seconds of effort in your Apple Podcasts app can go a long way in making sure other people can find the Bossed Up podcast too. Take care and keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose. And together, we'll continue to lift as we climb. Let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Chahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. 
Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup.